0: Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst. From swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guest house overlooking the Pacific Ocean, the Foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students, preserving the past and inspiring future generations of dreamers. Discover how you can become a member by going to foundation at hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission.
1: February in Northeast Wisconsin and it's easy to see where the nickname frozen tundra came from French for foot of the lake Fond du lac is nestled on the bottom of a massive body of water Lake Winnebago spanning three counties Winnebago is the second largest inland lake in the entire country not counting the Great Lakes at 215 square miles it's over six times the size of Manhattan my name is Julie Henning Your Guide to the Dairy State. Join me in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, for the opening weekend of the state's sturgeon spearing season. First, we talk with Craig Molotar, president of the Fond du Lac Convention and Visitors Bureau. Craig paints a picture of the region and offers an outside-in glimpse into the influence of sturgeon spearing in the community. The really
2: fantastic thing about sturgeon spearing... In the Lake Winnebago system, is that our sturgeon population is so healthy?
1: Next up is Chris Dobbins, sergeant of the Fond du Lac County Sheriff's Office, and a member of the Fond du Lac County Sheriff's Office Dive and Rescue Team, trained in underwater rescue. Sergeant Dobbins is the first on the scene when people are stranded on or trapped under the water.
3: This year with the ice conditions, you know, we're not expecting any problems. But again, we go by the standpoint you know, as law enforcement, that no ice is ever safe.
1: Tiffany Venny is the manager of Dutchess Trading Post, a bait and tackle store serving the community for over 50 years. A source for sturgeon spearing supplies, Dutchess is busy printing replacement licenses before opening day.
4: We've had several phone calls today for last minute supplies and down to having to get a spear yet for tomorrow.
1: And finally, we hear from Kathleen Klein, outreach coordinator for the Sea Grant Institute at the University of Wisconsin-Madison.
5: I try and let them know what a treasure we have here. I mean, it's something that that there just isn't anywhere else in the world.
1: Craig Molotar, president of the Fond du Lac Convention and Visitors Bureau. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with the sport and the influence on the tourism in the region?
2: Well, I come from uh, lower Michigan and I moved to Fond du like about four years ago and I started to hear about sturgeon and the winter activities on the ice. And I thought, well, this is an interesting phenomena. And the more I learned about it, the more I became intrigued by the story. The sturgeon are indeed their prehistoric fish. Their ancestors run back to literally the times of the dinosaurs, and they've survived these millions of years.
1: Sturgeon in Lake Winnebago reached a point of near extinction around the 1900s. As a result, the government put a stop on legal fishing and spearing of sturgeon. Fast forward to the Great Depression, and the folks in Wisconsin needed a food source. So the state said you can go back to the original technique of spearing.
2: Spearing is a technique that was passed down through the Native Americans that were here that first settled the area.
1: Ten consecutive hours into sturgeon spearing, no one has seen more than a few panfish and a handful of minnows. We're starting to get slap happy. One of the guys in our group starts making the na 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 sound from the movie Jaws outside our ice shanty freshwater shark that could come out here. <laughs> Someone did equate this to feeling like you're looking for jaws. You know, it's there.
2: Yeah, well if, if you see one of these uh, fish, it's not that surprising of a comparison. They are massive. I believe the record is like 230 pound sturgeon caught by a gentleman from Green Bay, but yesterday, uh, opening day of sturgeon spring season here in Wisconsin, they were pulling 100, 130, 140 pound fish out of the water. They are huge fish. They're docile until, of course, you spear, and then they're pretty uh, physical fish to pull up out of the water, but they're not like sharks in that they would attach you, but they are pretty imposing to look at.
1: Yeah, you have to use a gaffing hook. Yes. We've been working on our strategy. One of us will stand outside, Mm -hmm. throw out all the equipment, all of our gear, and um, we, we hold on to the rope,
2: Yep, that that's the tradition. Uh, apparently what happens is you spirit and the first thing you do is you open up the door to your dark house, these shanties. They're not very big, but you open up the door, the light, you know, streams in and you throw out the chairs and the coolers and maybe a beer can or two and do your best to wrestle this beast into the uh, dark house up through the uh, frozen surface of the lake.
1: One big party out on the lake. Everyone feels like a part of the celebration, whether you're from the area or visiting from out of state. Fond du Lac is one of two places in the world where you can still participate in the ancient tradition of spearing a lake sturgeon.
2: Sturgeon spearing, it is not only a tradition with the folks that have lived in this area for, their, you know, goes back generations, it's also quite a bit of a tourist draw. I would say the best place to start is by visiting the Visitors Bureau website, and that is fdl.com and that's just kind of a starting off point we could point you in the right direction of hotels restaurants but to set yourself up with all of the things you need to do to actually engage in the sport we can point you in a couple different directions we were lucky enough to work with the folks at Wentz it's a local tavern right on the lake and they have for years and years rented out these shanties they cut the holes right in the ice they give you the spears they drive out to the shanties at about three in the morning and they turn the heat on and uh, you can step into a well-heated shanty. Your your spear will be ready for you. The one thing you need to do ahead of time is get your license. Licenses must be taken out by the end of October. So that's the one bit of pre-planning you need to do. But otherwise, you can just step into the shanty day of opening season and uh, go at it.
1: Yeah, really just open the door and fish. Yep. Besides securing your license, gearing up, bundling up, and getting your shanty set up, first-time spears should be aware of the harvest cap that is set by the Department of Natural Resources each season. Even though sturgeon spearing spans two weeks, once the numbers are met, the season is over for the year. Nothing is guaranteed.
2: The really fantastic thing about sturgeon spearing in the Lake Winnebago system is that our sturgeon population is so healthy. They've been watching after it since really, again, since the Great Depression. We have uh, an organization in the community called Sturgeon for Tomorrow, and they do everything they can to make sure that our sturgeon population is uh, happy, if a sturgeon can be happy, and healthy. The fish that were harvested yesterday, the biggest fish that we saw, those fish were sometimes 80, 90, 70 years old. So. We've been watching out after the health of our fish population for a long time.
1: Really, this is a family-friendly activity. It's not just for men.
2: Yeah, that's kind of the cool thing about the whole sturgeon spearing phenomena. And it may be stereotypical to say this, but if you think of deer camp, it is often a bunch of guys going away, and that's fine. But the thing with sturgeon spearing is that it is often just a big family gathering. The tradition of sturgeon spearing is held in families and so moms come out kids come out dads come out grandparents come out so standing in line yesterday looking at the folks that had speared their sturgeon i would say there were as many women there with their sturgeon as men and there were kids there were dogs running around having fun i mean it was just it was essentially a family party du lac has the kind of family gathering where outsiders are more than welcome to step right in and have fun along with us.
1: Ice fishing is fun but it's also dangerous. The ice shifts and settles, the sun warms and weakens the ice, and sometimes mother nature is cruel. Each season is different and people have died trapped in their vehicles that have plunged to the bottom of the murky depths of the lake. On call 24-7 is the Fond du Lac County Dive and Rescue Team. This year, the department has access to a high-tech airboat that looks like something that's used on a Louisiana bayou. Racing against time, the boat speeds out on the ice with an underwater dive team suited up in dry suits, ready to plunge into the lake. Sergeant Chris Dobbins has been with the department for over a decade. He demonstrates some of the scuba gear the department uses for winter water temperatures and gives some common-sense tips for staying safe during the sturgeon-spearing season.
3: Hi, my name is Chris Dobbins, I'm a sergeant with the Fond du Lac County Sheriff's Office and a member of the Fond du Lac County Sheriff's Office dive rescue team. Winter ice diving, we typically only deploy one diver at a time. We have the main primary rescue diver, and then we have a diver sitting on the ice, he is that diver's safety diver, and then we'll have another diver getting ready, we call him the 90% diver. He's ready to go, uh, he would step up if the first diver runs into a problem, say an entanglement, or the victim recovery needs some assistance, we'll send the safety diver down and then the next diver steps up in line.
1: Under the ice, divers communicate by headset. Water conditions in Lake Winnebago can be clouded with chemicals, oil, gasoline, and antifreeze if a vehicle carrying passengers falls through the ice and into the freezing cold water.
3: We have the ability to run communications with three divers with headsets. So we just have to communicate with tugs <coughs> on the rope the days of that are kind of gone because we can talk and as one of the team leaders usually myself or jeff or one of the guys on the headset so we can get a feel of what the divers are doing we can kind of control you know what's going on underneath the ice as well as on top of the ice you can get a pretty good feel of what the divers are doing how heavy they're breathing uh, what they're encountering before you're down there by yourself and we don't dive in the caribbean we dive in lake winnebagel sturgeon spirit great clear ice clear water but I tell you once you, you know a truck goes through or something like that it mixes everything up. Um, it's not the most person-friendly environment.
1: Whether you've been on the ice hundreds of times or for the first time it's always a good idea to be aware of the basic safety precautions. You never know when they might come in handy.
3: When a victim goes down they go down usually straight down and you're usually plus or minus with a five mile hour current you'd be half the diameter of the depth of water. So if you're in 15 feet of water and there's less than a five mile hour current, you're spo- you usually go straight down. You're only gonna stray the depth of the water one way or another. So 15 feet plus or minus on you know, whichever way you would go. So that's kind of our general rule. But again, you go under, you're gonna be looking for the hole and trying to find it. It's not the ray of light, it's actually opposite. The hole kind of looks dark because the underside of the ice is, is translucent and clear. The underside of the ice looks you know, kind of whiter or silver and you're looking for the dark spot
1: tomorrow? Are you rested? Are
3: you ready? Uh, our dive team is always prepared. We're always ready to go. Uh, we have an expectation that, you know, we're always going to be utilized, always going to be needed. This year with the ice conditions, you know, we're not expecting any problems, but again, we go by the standpoint, you know, as law enforcement that no ice is ever safe. So, you know, we, we have the expectation. Our equipment's ready. Our dive team's fully aware that it's certain and spirit of what's going on.
1: Do you have advice for new person? One well,
3: people that are just traveling out on the ice, you know, check at some of the local places before you go out a lot of the gas stations along the lake they have a pretty good idea what's going on with the ice conditions some of the restaurants you know if you see vehicles and you're following vehicles that's usually the safest bet you know don't travel someplace off by yourself or you don't see where it looks like there's tire tracks or anything like that there's usually a reason for it so typically you know especially with sturgeon spirit tomorrow if you follow the crowd you should be you know should be good to go but always pay attention to what's going on around you weather conditions can change you know the lake fluctuates so much as far as the pressure cracks out there time of day air temperature cloud cover versus sunlight and stuff like that so just always be aware of what's going on around you and if you don't know don't go
1: tiffany vinney is the manager of dutch's trading post in downtown fond du lac a typical bait and tackle store the live bait wells are stocked with minnows for the ice fishing season styrofoam coolers hang from the ceiling and trophy fish are mounted on the walls If you walk around portable ice shanties and aisles of poles, reels, lines, and gear, you'll find yourself in a world of camouflage. Bows, guns, decoys, and targets. Whatever you need to get the big one, Tiffany
4: is an expert in the great outdoors. I'm Tiffany Venny and I'm the manager at Dutchess Trading Post in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And my family has owned this business for the last two years. Dutch's has been around Fond du Lac for more than 50 years, so it's gone through a few owners. Um, it's best known for being a bait and tackle store, but we also are a archery store which carries Matthews, Hoyt, and Mission bows, and we're also carrying crossbows now and we have a fully stocked gun department as well.
1: In the time that I've been in here, which has been maybe half an hour, two people have come in for their sturgeon
4: replacement licenses, <laughs> is that a last minute scramble kind of thing? Definitely, we see that every year. You know, you buy them kind of early, you buy them in October, so there's always a couple that go missing and have to get them replaced. And we've had several phone calls today for last minute supplies and down to having to get a Spear yet for tomorrow. So we see a little bit of that every year
1: and you and your husband will be out tomorrow yes And you said you are not spearing, but he is. Right. And so can you walk us through what, you know, you get up early. What's the tradition?
4: Yeah, I've only, I'm new to the tradition. Um, My husband's family has been spearing out on Lake Winnebago for quite a few years. And after we met a few years ago, he took me out for my first sturgeon spearing experience. And it's really neat. It's a lot about family. It's a lot about tradition. It's a lot about just getting out there and enjoying it and the camaraderie. and, And I don't even need to throw a spear. To have a good time. It's just fun to be out there and to, to see the excitement when somebody spears a big sturgeon and, and it's really a lot of fun and something we enjoy doing together.
1: Is it romantic?
4: <laughs> well, you know, sturgeon are not the most attractive fish, but we do, we enjoy it. Any anytime you can find something that you both enjoy and can spend time together, that's I think that's great.
1: Do you know of any other
4: couples that have met on the ice? Oh, I'm not, I don't know of any that have officially met on the ice, but um, my parents go together, their best friends go together. Um, We have a lot of couple friends that we know that go and enjoy this together. And and it really, like I said, it is a good time um, and people enjoy just getting out there and experiencing and are always happy for people when they do get a surgeon.
1: Have you heard any fish tales?
4: Yeah, I think uh, it's like any hunting or fishing, there's always that myth of seeing the biggest one and hearing about how big it was and and you wonder, you know, if that's an exaggeration. But working down here, you hear a lot of great stories, true or not, they're always great to hear and it's always a fun time of the year and we really look forward to having people come into the store. And you might have heard the story 10 times, but it's always fun to share those stories and and that's the kind of place Dutchess is. (music)
1: Kathleen Klein is the Outreach Coordinator for the Sea Grant Institute at the University of Wisconsin and is one of the authors of the book, People of the Sturgeon. Kathleen does regular outreach speaking to the general public about sturgeon as a natural
5: resource in the state of Wisconsin. She speaks to our group on the evening of opening day. I try and let them know what a treasure we have here. I mean it's something that that there just isn't anywhere else in the world. One of the um, one thing that I get asked a lot, and, and you guys probably already know this, but um, a lot of people, especially who are unfamiliar with spearing as a sport, anyway, they kind of start asking me, well, why why do they let people spear sturgeon? Yeah. That's terrible. Why you know that's awful. And and um, I try to explain to people that this is a culture that goes way, way back and it goes back way before um, Europeans were living in this area, it goes back to when the first people were living here, Native Americans, Um, they were spearing fish because that was the best way to take them in the winter, Um, especially a sturgeon, I mean, God, the size of it.
1: Kathleen spent a summer at the State Historical
5: Society researching all of Wisconsin's fish laws. Going back to like 1874 when they first decided to have a fisheries commission, initially it started out with all of the laws that they started enacting were just um, straight through the legislature. So one of the things that really popped out to me was that the areas that kept getting the exceptions were around Green Bay, along the Mississippi River, like around Prairie du Chien, and around Lake Winnebago. And so I was like, well, okay, so these are all the areas in Wisconsin that were first settled, really. Green Bay is the the oldest (coughs) settlement, then Prairie du Chien, Lake Winnebago was not far behind. So I just started piecing together, well, okay, so these are areas where Europeans have been living the longest. Um, You know, they've been settled in the 1600s, the early missionaries were showing up, and they were watching Native Americans and how they were surviving in this landscape and part of it was spearing through the ice. And so, well, what did the Europeans start doing? Exactly what the Native Americans were doing because it worked. So this culture, it just got passed on through the Native Americans to the Europeans. And these areas that were first settled in Wisconsin, it became really ingrained um, generation after generation. So when the, when, um, the state of Wisconsin first said no more spearing for sturgeon, well, no more taking sturgeon anywhere in Wisconsin in 1915, that was a really hard thing for people to take around Lake Winnebago. They had this resource, they had been passing on this legacy of spearing for generation after generation. So when the Great Depression set in, that's when people said, hey, we can't make a living anywhere. We're hungry. Yeah, we're farmers. We're hungry. Um, we're used to being able to go out on the ice during the winter when there wasn't as much going on on the farm to be able to take a fish, a sturgeon that could feed our family for quite a while. Um, hay State Legislature <laughs> reopened this for us, and so there was a lot of pressure. That's why they're spearing on Lake Winnebago, because the people around Lake Winnebago, that's how they wanted to take sturgeon. They um, convinced the legislature that there were enough sturgeon to take, and not only did they do that, they said, that's how we want to take sturgeon on Lake Winnebago, is spearing. And so they got it, which I think is pretty impressive.
1: Considered a delicacy, many people harvest sturgeon for the caviar discussing the taste of the meat one person in our group jokes that it tastes a little bit like bald eagle
0: caviar
5: is caviar right, I don't know. Right. <laughs> if you like caviar you like caviar I think but um, Lake Sturgeon, I think, is just a really delicious fish, especially smoked. It's probably the best smoked fish yes, I've eaten. Smoked it's just delicious. Yeah. Is it
2: comparable to like a smoked salmon or something? I think really it's texture,
5: <laughs> I don't think it's as it's, like yeah. it's a bigger flake. It's kind of like bald eagle. I thought it was great.
1: A common practice in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, Sturgeon were poached from Lake Winnebago and the Wolf River. Established in 1978, the nonprofit group Sturgeon for Tomorrow protects and preserves the lake sturgeon, ensuring a healthy population for generations to come.
5: 30s, 40s, 50s, um, really until Sturgeon for Tomorrow really stepped up. I think the hotbed of it was probably 30s, 40s, 50s. It happened during Prohibition, um, but we have a lot of pictures. um, The DNR has a lot of pictures from the 50s, too, of wardens taking out set lines from the Wolf River. But I guess all over the Wolf River, it was happening on Winnebago too, but it was a lot easier to poach sturgeon on a river. Um, so they'd set set lines that would just stretch across the river. And one thing I didn't realize is they would catch them coming up river on their way to spawn, but they would then set the hooks higher for the sturgeon coming back downstream, I guess they just float downstream after they've spawned and they kind of just like cruise, (laughs) because they're all worn out. (laughs) That's one thing I find fascinating about Sturgeon for Tomorrow is that they came in in the late 70s. People that I talked to on the Wolf River, because when the the DNR is up there tagging, a lot of, some of the private property that the DNR is tagging on, the landowners let them come on to their property, those are former poaching families. (laughs) So I talked to a couple of them, and you know, some of them, uh, they have their kids now who are like in middle school and high school. And that father would would talk to me and say, "Yeah, you know, I heard stories from my dad. They would totally poach. It was just how it was. You know, the surgeon were there. They're right there at your, at your feet." But he said we would never even consider it now. So that mentality has changed around within a generation. He's like, my kids would never think about, that would just be unheard of, to poach a sturgeon. So that's a testament to sturgeon for tomorrow. They really changed that mentality because it was a really big issue. I got the sturgeon
2: spear fishing blues.
1: I'm Julie Henning, and you're listening to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a weekly featured podcast on npr.org. I'm
2: spending the whole day tomorrow Looking down a hole And I'm from Poland, they call me a pole
1: That's all I got.
0: Funding for Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer is provided by the Foundation at Hearst Castle, where donors and members experience exclusive events that recreate what it was like to be a guest of William Randolph Hearst, from swimming in the iconic Neptune pool to dining in Hearst's private guesthouse overlooking the Pacific Ocean. The foundation at Hearst Castle's ongoing mission is to support the conservation and restoration of Hearst Castle while offering youth programs for underserved students, preserving the past and inspiring future generations of dreamers. These children experience a world of science, technology, engineering, art and math at Hearst Castle STEAM, along with studying the legacy of Julia Morgan, one of the most important women in the history of engineering and architecture. The Foundation at Hearst Castle not only changes the lives of children, but also provides lifetime memories and unrivaled experiences for our generous donors and members. Discover how you can become a member by going to hearstcastle.com and learn how you can support this unique and invaluable mission. You've been listening to the Lowell Thomas award-winning travel show Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer, a featured podcast on NPR.org's podcast directory. You are invited to subscribe to Journeys of Discovery with Tom Wilmer on NPR.org, NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher.com, and more than 20 other podcast channels around the world. To learn more about Tom Wilmer's journeys around America and the world, log on to thomaswilmer.com.
1: This is Roseanne Cash, and I'm sitting here with Tom Wilmer. Please support your local NPR station.